Hello, this is Julia Sotis on a totally different reality, and I am at my mom and dad's farm this week, and I had this absolutely fantastic idea to bake 1,500 cinnamon buns to sell at the local music festival. <laughs> this wow! Is, this is my break from Health Kitchen. <laughs> you should see what the kitchen looks like right now. My poor mother, we just looked at each other, looked at the buns around us, looked back at each other, and just burst into laughter because it was like tears or laughter. I'm like, this is going to be so fun. This is going to be such a great creation. And it is. We're having a lot of fun, and it's a really good bonding experience because I don't get to see my mom all that much. But, oh, my gosh, it's absolutely well, insane. Insane. So just to set the scene of where I'm coming from right now, and I'm so excited for the show tonight because we're going to be talking about, um, I'll introduce our amazing guest in one second, but tonight we're going to be talking about incarcerations, um, on automatic response systems, um, possibly a little bit about encapsulations. Um, there's a whole bunch of new stuff coming up in Access Consciousness, um, and I'm so excited because it has given me personally the most freedom of anything in Access Consciousness, so I'm just so excited to dive really deep into it today, and it's a really good platform to set it on because I'm at my mom and dad's house, and so all of the stuff <laughs> that comes up when you're at your mom and dad's house is coming up. And <laughs> so I'm really, abundance of buns. I can see it. Yeah. So I really, really set the stage quite fantastically for this whole affair. So um, welcome, Tamara. I'm so excited to have you on tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the invitation, Julie. I was just sitting here listening to you tell that story, and I was thinking to myself, I don't know you very well, but my sense of you is that you don't do anything in a small way. So when you said 1,500 cinnamon buns, I was like, yep, that sounds like something Julia would do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, and I just was like, blah, 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 it's going to be so much fun. And it actually is turning out. I was running demolecular manifestation and molecular or you know, the molecular demanifestation and demolecular manifestation, which for those of you who don't know, is a body process that you learn in foundation and level one in access consciousness. I was running it on all the dough as I was um, ro rolling it. And as soon as I started doing that, the batches that came out after that are like beautiful and they've risen so well and the house just smells so good and it was so cool to like put my magic into the cinnamon buns. So yeah, it was nice. Really good. Nice. Yeah. So it was very cool. So, um, Tamara, let's let's get talking a little bit about you. I want to um um uh set the stage and and can you tell us like just how did you get involved with access? Like what kind of work have you done in the past? What do you uh, do now? I just would love to, to hear a little bit more about, about how you came across this work. Well, thanks. Um, I have been an access facilitator for about more than, a little more than four years now, and I was a, a coach before that, focusing essentially on personal empowerment and transformation. Um, uh -huh. So discovering access was sort of right up my alley, if you will. And, um, and before that, I had about a 20-year business career. So um, I made some big life changes about 70 years ago after I got a divorce, sort of wiped the slate clean and said, what do I want to create as my life now? And that's when I went into coaching. Um, okay. How many years ago did you say? 
About seven. Oh, seven. I thought you said 70, and I was like, it had to be seven or 17. <laughs> <laughs> or else the faceless are really doing their job. Right? Otherwise, I look great for a woman that age. <laughs> I was like, even 17 is pushing our luck, but I couldn't hear you. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, you know, it's funny. I got into Access literally. Um, I, I've told this story. I had a radio show last year, and I've told this story many times. I was having a temper tantrum, a real honest-to-goodness temper tantrum. I was pissed off at polarity, really pissed off at polarity. I, oh. had, uh, I had been studying metaphysics for about uh, 10 years, and I had been uh, just very diligently practicing meditation for about 10 years. And, and when I say studying metaphysics, I mean a full-on immersion into everything esoteric, occult, astrology, I mean, spirituality, New Age, like you name it, I studied it. And, and uh, it was a really good intellectual practice, what I discovered. But um, my life wasn't changing that much. And, and what, I, what I discovered is I had this huge disparity in my life between this uh, delicious space of being that I would um, access in my meditations or maybe if I was on top of a mountain somewhere, you know, out in nature, and, and that space of being was just, you know, an ecstatic communion of yumminess that I knew was real and true for me. But then my day-to-day life was, was kind of crap in every way. And I was like, what is the deal here? Like, my, as soon as I get up out of my meditation and I start thinking, everything goes to shit. And you'll notice the, the key in there was that as soon as I started thinking, everything went to shit. So I was on the phone with a friend of mine. I used to live in Lake Tahoe. I lived there for almost 15 years. And and I was just having a temper tantrum. I was pissed off at polarity. I was like, you know, polarity is bullshit. I know it is. I know it's a lie. And yet somehow I can't seem to get out from underneath its thumb. It's got me like, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's got me wrapped around its little finger and it's not letting me go. And, of course, I didn't realize that I was the one creating that, my life that way. But at the time, it was, it was that very temper tantrum uh, making the demand that, Something change. It was sort of that, you know, change or die energy. Right. And, um, and so, interestingly enough, not long after that, I would say within 30 days or so, access was introduced to me via the bars. And it was something that someone, I was at a, at a networking meeting, um, you know, promoting my, my, my coaching practice, and a woman sitting right next to me started talking about this bars class she had taken and the profound dynamic shift that occurred between she and her estranged son practically overnight. And as she talked about this, I could not help but be drawn, because I'd been doing energy work at that point for about 10 years, I could not help but help be drawn to the energy of what she was talking about. And I kept saying, what is this? What are you talking about? What's this bar stuff? What's this class you took? She goes, well, it's really hard to explain. She had literally just taken it, you know, days before. So it was still very new to her. And I said, well, just tell me how I can find out more. And I got on the website, which at that time... There was not a lot of information out on Access like there are now. There wasn't, you know, a bazillion radio shows and Gary Dane and, and videos everywhere. It was pretty much the, 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 uh, the, the website and, and nothing else. So I, looked, I did as much research as I could on the website. And, How and many years far, ago was that? This was four. This was in 2010. Okay. March 2010. Wow. And uh, I know, right? About that long ago. It's really exploded in four years. It's quite amazing. Yeah, it really has. But I, but I drove about an hour from where I lived to take a bars class. I'd never had my bars run. I didn't even know what the hell bars were. I truly just followed the energy and said, I've got to find out what this is. 
and um, and the, the the thing that that hooked me, I'll, I'll tell you, the thing I fell in love with instantaneously was the clearing statement. I mm-hmm. was able to perceive how quickly that was shifting the energy, and I had never, in my ten years of experience doing energy work, seen anything that shifted energy that quickly. And I said, "I want that. That magic wand must be mine." <laughs> <laughs> and so it is. And so it was. Yes, and so it has been. <laughs> wow. Okay. How I, uh, how I got started in that sense. Yeah, I became a facilitator. Went to facilitator training uh, about three months later. And the rest is history. Right. And coming from coaching, it was like there would be, like you know, for a lot of people who come, especially me, at my first facilitators was when I was, I think, 20, maybe even 19. No, 20. Wow. And, yeah. Wow. And, and I'm like. these tools at that age. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It is fun. It is, it is really cool. Cause, yeah, but I'm like sitting in facilitators training at 20, and I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> Like, and it, and it it did come way more naturally than I thought. But I just think that's really cool from your perspective to come from like a coaching background and just dive right in and already have that you know client basis and yeah. way of of working with people and stuff. That's a, well, a and, gift. I, and I tell you, I was never I actually hesitated to use to to call myself a coach, even though I had uh, several co- coaching certifications under my belt, as well as mediation and NLP and things like that. I hesitated to call myself a coach because I had zero interest in doing, like, um, goal setting and accountability. Like, who could I could give a shit about that kind of stuff. I was far more interested in being a transformational artist. Right. um, So when people would talk to me about goal setting and accountability, I was like, um, just move on because that's not the kind of work you're going to get here. Now, if you want to change your whole reality, um, I'm your girl. But... <laughs> so, so first when I found access, it was just it was like coming home, absolutely like coming home. Yeah, totally, totally for me too. Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't know any of that. That's fascinating stuff. Huh? Very cool. Very cool. So, um, you were recently at the Denver Two Three, hey? I was. Okay, so I imagine it was a big wow. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about, for you and from what you have gotten from the last few classes, facilitators and Denver 2-3, for you, what are incarcerations? Yeah, well, nothing like doing a couple of potent access classes back-to-back, five days in Costa Rica at facilitators training, and then... Um, within a week doing uh, four days with Gary at level two and three. And I tell you, I've been to ten level two and threes in the last four years, and this one was really potent. Nobody was fighting Gary, and people were really asking for more. The questions that people were coming up with and what they were, um, the demands that they were making of themselves for, to create change were just inspirational. It was, it was, I was just, couldn't have been more pleased to be there and and be among a, a group of I think there was about 90 people there or so that were just really asking for asking for and willing to be the difference in the world. So it was cool. Um, incarcerations, yes, 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 yes. Well, here's the short answer. Um, incarcerations are really, I mean, it, they kind of like go to me. They kind of go along with stability points, right? Like one of the things that we love to do in this reality is figure out what's right or figure out how to comply with the expectations of this reality and then, and then do that so that we can feel good about ourselves for getting it right. And 
And so when you have a, a reality that you've decided is right, whether you've aligned Jackie. and agreed with this one or you've created you know, some version of your own, anytime you're trying to get other people to go along with your reality, to get them to change, um, to align and agree with your reality, you have then incarcerated them. And we have been doing this little dance and playing this little game for a long, long time, incarcerating one another, being incarcerated by others. So, um, and, and here's, here's the key. So, so, okay, so what, you ask? When we do this, when we so do So why this, would we do this, Tamara? <laughs> Tell me. Here, here, here's the thing that, that, that might make you go, ah, when we do this, it requires enormous amounts of energy for us to continue to incarcerate these people that we have, you know, incarcerated over the course of who knows how many lifetimes. Ah. So, so, yeah, right. <laughs> so, so there's not a whole lot. And here's the thing. You know, stability points and incarceration and the things that I'm, I imagine we're going to talk about this evening, it's more like duplication and replication than it is creation. Right. If, if, any, if anything that I've learned in, in my four years of access, it's really finally tapping into the energy of what it is to create my life rather than just maintain or duplicate or replicate somebody else's. Right. And, and so I want to have as much of my energy as an infinite being available to me to create with and from as opposed to expending all this energy maintaining these incarcerations. Right, 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 right. Um, I have a question. I, somebody asked me this, and I was kind of like, hmm, that's a good question. And I think that it's more, I, I, I have my own kind of awareness on it, but I would like to get yours. If we are infinite beings and we have infinite energy, um, how can we waste, like, how can we waste energy incarcerating someone? Like, couldn't we do both and 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 obviously it just feels heavy and awful to incarcerate someone and why would you but um how does that take away from our other creations yeah i love that question um and you know it's the, it's the type of question whether you're talking about incar incarcerations or any of the other um illusionary limitations that we may speak of you yeah know, you say, well if we're infinite beings how can we be limited and that's that's actually the you know the million dollar question is that how many people are actually functioning as infinite beings because one one of the things that i um that i learned and makes a perfect sense to me is that it's all a down to how you're functioning. It's all down to how you're functioning. So if you're functioning in a, as an infinite being, yes, of course, you would be accessing infinite generative energy. If you're not functioning as an infinite being, then you are creating limitation in such a way that you, you don't have access to uh, infinite choice, infinite possibility, infinite generative energy, infinite creation, all of that stuff. Um, that's just kind of the, the obvious one is that is that we create limitations of, of you know through judgment and all the elements, different elements of judgment and contraction, and then and then we play small and we play limited as if we're finite players in a finite game rather than infinite players in an infinite game. Yeah. What, what's what's your awareness around that, Julia? Well, yeah, I was I was I really like the way that you put that. Like, are like we are infinite beings, but are we functioning as infinite beings? That's an awesome mm -hmm. way to put it. I think that was the missing piece I was asking you for. But my awareness is um, just like if we are, fu if we, 
It it is. It was. I guess that was the thing I was looking for. It was like what I was thinking is that if you are an infinite being, you do have an infinite energy, but in this reality, if we are incarcerating, we're in this reality, we're not choosing our reality. So in this reality, we have bought that we have limited amounts of energy. So, you know, by incarcerating someone, we're stopping our energy from creation. And yeah. if we do stop incarcerating in this reality, we have more of a chance to to choose our, or, you know, it'll be easier to choose our reality because we're not holding ourselves into this reality. And like you yeah. said, the thing that frustrated the hell out of you, polarity. Mm. Well, and here's, here's another key piece to all of this is that um, when you incarcerate someone or someone's or multiple, you know, uh, uh, someone's over the course of many lifetimes into your, into your reality, you lose your capacity to create beyond their capacity to receive. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I oh, had not... Wow. I must have missed that one at Facilitators. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that's, that's a whopper. And that's a whopper. Way, yeah, and this is how we create ourselves, as again, as finite players in a finite game, where we're making ourselves subject to a reality that we've decided, judged, and concluded we're inferior to. It's superior, we're inferior um, you know, we have to work hard to overcome it. We have, it requires effort. And, and the effort of doing to get is only required in the absence of being and receiving. Can so, you repeat that? So, yes. The, uh, the effort of doing to get, which is sort of how this reality functions, do to get, do to prove, it's all kind of about extraction. Okay, all yeah. All of that is only required in the absence of being and receiving. Right. So if you're, if you're functioning as an infinite being, then you're being and you're receiving, and there's ease and magic, right? But if right. you're not acknowledging that you're an infinite being, then you've got to go out there and work really hard to do to get and do to prove. And right. this is where the difference between, um, you know, unlimited generative energy versus, you know, I'm running out of steam because all I've been doing is force and effort and force and effort and do to prove and do to get. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Freaking exhausting. <laughs> right. And, and, I, and I lived it. I remember I was ex- before I came to Access, uh, you know, again, four short years ago, I'm not, I'm not an old woman. I was just like I had practically no energy anymore to live, to get through my day. I was exhausted all the time. And I remember thinking, this is, this, something's not, you know, this is not working for me. Like I should not be this tired. And that has shifted Eternal, you know, it, it, totally since uh, since really tapping now into that inexhaustible generative energy of, of um, functioning from being and receiving as opposed to doing, doing to get. Right, totally. Um, so okay, so that is in incarceration. If you could give incarceration sort of in three sentences, what would you say it is? So incarcerating people into your reality in order to get them to change or control them. Since you're putting them in your own personal prison, and then you have to maintain that using all your energy, rather than I mean the antidote to that would be allowance, right? Um, and then, which limits you because you lose your capacity to create beyond their capacity to receive. That's probably my snapshot. Right, right. So if if they are unable to see themselves as let's say, let's use an example. If they're unable to see themselves as the creator of their reality, you will not be able to see, like you will have 
their reality or less than it? Yeah, it's it's exactly. It's like so so here's the thing. We know that choice is beyond aligning and agreeing and resisting and reacting. As long as we're in any place of alignment and agreement or resist and react, we're actually doing certain sort of default indirect choice. We're not deliberately choosing. We're not choosing this from the space of infinite choice and infinite possibility. So so if I'm trying to get people to align and agree with my reality and like, come on, everybody, get on board. I've figured it out. I've got it right. And you need to align and agree with me so that um, you know, I can control whatever is going to occur. That whatever those people that I'm incarcerating are able to receive becomes my limitation of what I can create. Does that make sense? No, you fried my brain. <laughs> but I think I'm doing a lot of it, so this is really good. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not the best radio host if it's my issue. <laughs> if, we, if, we were, if we were living in allowance, now, you know, we, we know that judgment is sort of the cornerstone and foundation of this entire reality and all the right. elements that make up judgment. If we were to live in allowance, then there wouldn't be any incarceration. We wouldn't be constantly, it's almost like we're fighting one another to, you know, get, are you going to align and agree with my point of view or am I going to align and agree with your point of view? It's like this constant, who's going to win by getting the most people to align and agree with their point of view? Right. And, and, and that's where all the incarcerations uh, That's like in. totally advertising. A little bit. Holy if we were, if we, and that's why I said, you know, allowance is sort of the uh, the antidote to all this. If we're actually functioning from the space of allowance, then there is no battling to try and get other people to align and agree with our point of view because we can be an allowance of what everybody is choosing, no matter what that is, and still know that we have the potency of choice at our disposal in every moment. Okay. Awesome. 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 Um, so, do you have any? clearings on that perhaps maybe with <clears throat> family <laughs> ah so how many people have you incarcerated that are now requiring tremendous amounts of your energy to control them everything that is times a godzillion will you destroy and uncreate it all yes ma'am right and wrong good and bad pot and pock all nine shorts boys and beyond wow. oh golly <laughs> Excuse me while I go to sleep now. <laughs> and everywhere where you have incarcerated your family members over all, uh, all lifetimes and everywhere you've allowed yourself to be incarcerated by family members over uh, all your previous lifetimes, will you destroy and uncreate all that now times a gazillion? Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Wow. Woo! Woo, woo, there's a lot of energy on that. <laughs> so a lot. How, how many people over the course of all time, space, dimensions, realities, non-realities, lifetimes, have you incarcerated that are now requiring tremendous amounts of your energy in order to maintain control of them? Everything that is times a gazillion, will you destroy and uncreate it all? Yes, please. Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. Wow. That is awesome. I'm a little bit fried. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that might be making people a little bit dizzy. <laughs> wow. Um, awesome. Okay, so now let's move to part two, automatic mm. response systems. Yes. So 
an automatic response system, I like to describe it this way. Um, we all went to school and learned perhaps, um, I think this is a pretty common thing we learned in school, is about Pavlov's dog, where when you feed the dog, you ring a bell, and uh, eventually there's an association created that, so that every time you ring the, ring the bell, the dog salivates because it, it associates feeding with the bell. So I guess I have a psychology degree, so this was something that, that, uh, that, was, that was common in, in learning psychology. But I think this is something that maybe in science they talk about fairly, fairly generally. But it's about creating these associations between a particular stimulus and a response. Right. So an, an automatic responder system, response system, is, is essentially saying that as soon as this particular trigger shows up, this particular stimuli shows up in your reality, you are now immediately going to kick into a particular reaction, which we're calling an automatic response system. And there are numerous, 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 like countless, 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 innumerable automatic response systems that we've been functioning from because we have disavowed our awareness. It's so much easier to function in a human reality that, has, that is completely um, structured, all form and structure and expectation and all those different elements of judgment. It's, it's quote-unquote easier to... Um, to, to um, use some automatic response systems to try and fit into the expectations, to comply to those expectations, rather than be aware when awareness is not honored or acknowledged or welcome. And right. so, so it's, and kind it's of like usually you, uncomfortable as hell. Yes. If you and don't know what's going on. You could say that we, we sort of um, activate, we utilize and activate these automatic response systems as a compensation for where we give up our willingness to be aware. Okay. Uh, awareness, again, would be the antidote to anywhere we've had. It's like it's automatic pilot, right? How many times have we, every single person that I've ever coached and worked with, hundreds and hundreds of clients, has at least one, they, they can tell you. You ask a person, what are your triggers? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, when this happens, I, always, I automatically react. This happens, I automatically react. And it takes you out of the present moment into some other place where there was an origination point, like a cre point of creation, where, where you made a decision, you came to a conclusion, and you started, there was an automatic response that took over, and it's just sort of in a loop, been in a loop ever since. Right. So um, when we clear these automatic response systems, um, I, I like Connor uh, Connor Hill, who's a recent certified facilitator from Costa Rica. He was saying on the radio show a couple weeks ago that after the morning after we had cleared all of these automatic response systems, people were walking up to him and saying "Good morning" or "Buenos dias" or "Pura vida," and he like kind of looked at them and like just sort of like blinked, like he didn't really know what to say or how to respond because before it was just like a total automatic response and yeah. so it was cool because he had to be like oh what would I like to say to this person and yeah. he actually it wasn't automatic for the first time in his whole life and I just thought that was such a cool example but it's like thousands like like you know like a system 
in a oh, yeah. in a factory is yeah. you know or people or a good business quote unquote is all the proper automatic responses put at and at the proper times and i guess yeah, that we think as 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 people that the best way to get through life is to have the appropriate automatic responses set up so we don't have to worry about it yeah well and when you're when you're told from the time you show up on the planet pretty much that you're wrong in every way um, and and then again, your awareness is not acknowledged or or appreciated or welcome. Then it starts making sense to go along, to get along, to fit in, to try and make your life as easy as possible. Pick up on what everyone's doing around you. Follow follow the right way to do it, and and just lock in some of those auto, uh, automatic response systems um, to sort of survive, to keep your head above water, to just to just be able to make it. I mean. The best that, that we can do in this reality without our awareness, without functioning from our, having access and functioning from our awareness, the best that we can do is just to manage this effect position that we put ourselves in subject to this reality. Right. Not so fun. Not so hot. Not so fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I love that example. That's a great example because how, many, how often do people are like, oh, you know, you start a conversation, hi, how are you, Right. I mean, I, I I have always thought that was such a stupid question. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really bad. Don't talk. Like nobody ever. I mean, talk about automatic response systems, right? What do people say? They just oh, you know, I'm doing well, or or good, thanks, or fine, or whatever. I mean, it's just it's like this polite, casual way of sort of greeting one another. And so that that same thing that you're talking about, Connor's example, is um, that's that's just you know now take that and and. Um, exponentialize it throughout an entire day and how many things people do automatically um, without being present. Yeah, totally. Um, So what type of clearings would you have for automatic response systems? Well, how about this one? How many automatic response systems do you have to create the thoughts, feelings, emotions, sex, and no sex of human reality? Wow. Everything that is times a gazillion. Will you destroy and uncreate it all? Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and puck, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. Because, you know, anyone who's taken a foundation level one class is introduced to the idea that um, perceiving, knowing, being, and receiving are the higher harmonic of thoughts, feelings, emotions, and sex and no sex. And... You know, not not to make necessarily go bashing thoughts, feelings, and emotions and making them wrong and then turning that into another thing we can judge, but just to recognize that as an infinite being, we have a, a, a way of functioning that's going to be far more uh, useful. It's going to allow us to have far more access to our creative capacity than if we function from thoughts, feelings, and emotions, which are really, again, more about that duplication and replication of this reality. Right. So how, how many automatic response systems do you have to create the thoughts, feelings, emotions, sex, and no sex of human reality? Everything that is tends to get a million where you destroy and uncreate it all. Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and puck, all nine shorts, boys, and beyond. Awesome. Oh. Um, and I'll use this time. Um, I've unmuted everyone on the line. There we go. Everybody on the line is unmuted. So if you would like to jump in and ask some questions right now, um, feel free. And later as well, just jump right in. Questions would be fun. 
questions are so fun. Oh, none right now. Um, so, okay, so we talked about incarceration and automatic response systems. I would just love to like keep on just clearing and just do a whole bunch of different clearings, like whatever you have, uh, if if possible, and just jump back and forth and kind of talk about each clearing and and uh, how it works, if possible. Yeah, well, and it, you know, it's interesting how these incarcerations and automatic response systems sort of go together hand in hand because we will look for people that we can induce automatic response systems in. And again, it's 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 about control. We talked about that just briefly. This this whole incarceration thing, automatic response systems. Um, so uh, churches, cults, religions are based on creating automatic response systems. I mean, I, I remember I'm not Catholic, but I went to seven years of Catholic school, and so I attended more masses than I can count. And it's a it's a ritualistic religion where you know somebody says something and you respond, and you know you're kneeling, you're standing up, you're. Uh, um, any, anywhere where you are delivered a belief system that is telling you what to do and when and, and that kind of thing, I mean, the military, there's, there's, there's all kinds of structures in our reality, in this reality that, that are based on automatic response systems, the school system. Um, they are inducing us to conform, to comply, to behave a certain way. And um, so how many... Uh, how many automatic response systems do you have from the churches, cults, religions that you aligned and agreed with from previous lifetimes? Wow. Everything that is times a gazillion, we destroy and uncreate it all. Yep. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. Oh, baby. Everywhere, everywhere you have allowed yourself to be incarcerated into someone else's reality by aligning and agreeing or resisting and reacting, will you destroy and create all that times a gazillion? Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing for, for new people to sort of embrace is this idea that um, aligning and agreeing and or resisting and reaction, reacting aren't required. People kind of go, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I know for me, I mean, most most children, the the first thing you do as growing up in any family is to align and agree with the caretakers around you because that's that's what your what your environment. You just absorb it and you align and agree, and you're like, okay, 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 okay. And then I know for me personally, somewhere along the way, I started looking at everything I was aligning and agreeing with, and I said, you know what? I don't think so. <laughs> It's it's uh, you know whether it was an intrinsic knowing that made me start to shift into re to resistance or reaction or um, yeah you know I, I mean I, 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 go ahead go ahead oh, I was well, going to say I, I became <laughs> a rep <laughs> okay really you go this time oh I was just going to say I became a rebel of magnitude. No, yeah, totally. I remember being 12 years old and sitting in front of my stove in the kitchen, standing in front of the stove in the kitchen, and I just, it was like this turning point in my life. I remember thinking, like, what is the point of all of this? Like, I just don't get it. Why would I, like, I get that these, like, and I have great parents, but it was like, I get, and all the, the community, I'm like, I get that 
this is the way that things have run forever and the way that they will continue to run. But, like, what does this have to do with me? Like, am I just here to just go along with it and continue right. it? I, it's like I just could not understand the point. It just did not make any sense to me. And and I think I, I started reading, I started doing spiritual stuff, like doing body talk and Reiki and watching The Secret and stuff like that when I was, like, 12 years old. So it was right after wow. that that I was like, I just don't get it. Like, what is the point? Yeah. So Because automatic response systems are just, I could like almost see them, but it was... Yes, uh, yes, you can. You can see them. You can yeah. see, I, I mean, it's, it's like uh, people become automatons, right? You know, it's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. And all they have to do is as soon as there's a particular stimuli, it's just like, oh, Here's the stimuli, then here's the appropriate response. Here's the stimuli, then appropriate response. Nobody, it's like the, the life is drained out of them until they're just machine, mechanic. We are, yeah. Like, yeah. you are machines and mechanic, or like, we are. And, and that's why, it, you know, I just keep going back to this idea of advertising. Because if there oh, were no yeah. automatic response systems, advertising wouldn't work on us. But because yeah, our automatic response systems can be, you know, like, they're statistics. There are statistics uh-huh. on our automatic response systems that are mm-hmm. worth millions and billions of dollars at advertising firms. I once, sure. um, I dated a guy who was in advertising, and and uh, he was looking over his pitch for the next morning, and there was this one um, part about about how there's like something like in in America there's like so many million women who can who are single women between the ages of 25 and 45 who um, consider themselves, you know, they want to buy organic and all this stuff and they have these certain tendencies. And I'm just, I was like, oh my gosh, like God help me if I ever respond exactly to things like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's fascinating that, that we can be so perfectly clocked based on these automatic response systems. Oh, yes. Yes, you become part of the target market, and and the the um, they know exactly how to market to you. What's gonna co- what's what's most likely to get you to buy? I mean, that's how the grocery stores are set up these days. I mean, where there are there are billion dollar industries out there that would fail if judgment ceased to exist. So they're counting on it, and they're feeding the frenzy of judgment to make sure that everybody keeps functioning from those automatic response systems. Um, or this reality would just fall apart in an instant. <laughs> totally. <laughs> what would it take for this reality to fall apart? <laughs> How fun would that be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about encapsulations also. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's just because we're already on the the, the the kind of subject of what's coming up, so that would be great. Okay, so so encapsulations are just um, people were getting a little bit confused uh, when we were in Costa Rica about the difference between encapsulations and incarcerations. Yeah, and you encapsulate in another person what you didn't want them to do. Uh, like what you didn't want them to deliver at you. So for I'll use an example, um, but something that came up for me personally is that I, I had a father who was um, generally angry, just sort of grumpy, um, cantankerous, you know, kind of pissy. Just you know, he was only happy when he was when he was grumpy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so 
that anger was delivered at myself and my mother and my family members quite regularly, and, and I didn't like it at all. I, as a child, I remember, you know, thinking, um, I mean, the, the environment that I grew up with was, was, was contempt and disdain and, and criticism and judgment and, and, and general just sort of um, cruelty. So right. as, my, as my father was delivering this anger and all of this, this contempt and disdain and criticism and all this, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like it one bit. And I saw, I, I interpreted that as being very hurtful and very damaging. And so, so I would have encapsulated in my father what I didn't want him to be delivering at me or at us. It's what you don't want, you, you just don't know how to deal with it. I mean, I'm a little kid, he's the authority, he's, the, he's my, uh, my caretaker, my father, the one who's, I'm supposed to be, um, you know, respecting, I don't know how to deal with this. And I don't want to be impacted by it anymore, so I'm just going to encapsulate it. And um, those encapsulations, again, take enormous amounts of energy out of your body. It takes tremendous energy for you to keep that encapsulation into, in someone else's um, right. reality. And so if and you it, encapsulate somebody, it, it, it stops the direct... Actually, I'm not totally clear on this. It's does it stop the direct, like, it hitting you? Like, would your, after you encapsulated your father, would he be less angry, or would it just tone it down? Well, or? no, no, and this is where the joke's on us, <laughs> because um, these encapsulation points are the things that we do to, make the, to, to try and make the world better um, by, by encapsulating these things, but it doesn't actually create the result that we're looking for. It actually, it's just something that we decided was going to create a result, but it doesn't. Um, and then uh, we're, we're using all of our energy in, an, in this constant attempt to encapsulate it so we won't be impacted and delivered by it, but it really doesn't create the result. Right. Can it all. sometimes create the result? Not that I'm aware of, but I, that's a great question. Hmm. Okay. So I just figured if you it, like encapsulated... Somebody's like I remember Gary saying that if you encapsulate your parents' poverty so that you can put food on the table, it actually works and is a talent and ability, but ah, not your okay. best choice. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. But no, I I think I think that it's probably like an attempt, but doesn't it's not it's not our best choice. <laughs> no. I, Regardless don't see that it's very, very um, effective. So how much have you encapsulated that would destroy um, your family in their bodies and has kept you connected to it ever since? Wow. Ooh, everything that is times a gazillion will you destroy and uncreate it all? Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pun, puck, online, shorts, boys and beyond. And how much have you encapsulated in their body as a way of trying to take away what you feared would destroy them. Oh, wow. Everything that is times a gazillion will you destroy and uncreate it all. Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and puck, all nine shorts, boys and guns. Because I know that was true for me. Like, I was at some level aware, maybe not cognitively aware of the destructive nature of um, the energy that my father was delivering. It was his attempt to control and dominate. Um, and that was really the only... You know, he, he didn't have a whole lot of um, strategies. <laughs> he had one strategy, which was <laughs> attempt to control and dominate. Um, but, but I was at some level aware of the destructive nature of that, right? So, so there's 
there's this caring that we be that we, there's, it's like if, if there's something I can do, we try and do it. So we may have actually encapsulated their, that in their body as a way of trying to take away what we were aware would you know, eventually destroy them. Right. So again, everything that is times a gazillion way destroyed and created all. Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And so, within, or I was just going to say, with encapsulations, we can't clear these ourselves. For some reason, having somebody else clear them for you has been the only thing that seemed to work. Yeah, I do recall Gary saying something about that. And you have to, because um, at the SOP in Toronto, Dane tried to destroy and create all of our encapsulations for the whole group, and it just Ooh. did not work. It was very ugly. <laughs> it did not work. So what has, what has worked best is getting with a partner or you know somebody you trust somebody probably who does access and knows what they're doing, um, you want to say, you know, everywhere, like, um, will you allow me in to all the places and spaces where you have encapsulated your father's, let's say, pain, anger, and unwillingness to see himself as a creative energy in the world? Um, Or will you allow me to assist you in destroying it and creating it? and yeah. I think that I think that it it kind of I it kind of like digs deep in there. It's almost like it's almost like the energy of like taking somebody's hand and and actually having caring for them and walking them through it and kind of it's one of it's kind of strange because with so much of access we just we can choose it ourselves and do it ourselves. But I think this is sort of a place where it's a little bit more of. You know, like just having somebody else look at these places and look at these things with you and, and assist yeah. you in destroying them is just a huge gift and a huge contribution. So Absolutely. It work that's, better. that's an important piece. Thank you for that. Um, the, the other thing, too, is, you know, I said allowance is sort of the antidote to incarcerations, and allowance is kind of the antidote to a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's also the antidote to encapsulations. And, and just using the example I was just giving about, you know, if you see, I mean, I, I thought, I remember having this awareness a while back in Access that um, part of where I was utilizing my energy was this this conclusion. I discovered this buried conclusion. Most of our conclusions are not cognitive. They're buried deep. Um, but So I, so I dug, dug around until I asked some questions until I discovered that one, this one, which was if I love them enough, they won't destroy themselves. Right. And, and so this is related to that encapsulation thing. And, and when I became aware of that, I realized that it's really about having enough allowance and gratitude for them that if they choose to, to destroy themselves, I'm not actually going to get in the way. That's what true caring is. And so you know, we can ask, what energy, space, and consciousness can I be that would allow you know, my father to... Uh, you know, choose whatever he's going to choose with total ease, even if that means to destroy himself. Yeah. And everything that doesn't allow that times a gazillion, where you destroy and uncreate it all. Yeah. Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. Because it's, it's sort of antithetical to what this reality tells us, right? This reality says if you care about somebody, you better jump in there and do something. Care has exactly. very much been conflated with control. 
and um, and when we look at you know functioning from the the space of uh, the five elements of intimacy, which are honor, trust, allowance, vulnerability, and gratitude, then what we begin to discover is that true caring is is in that space of allowance and gratitude, where where uh, every everyone's choice is just an interesting point of view. No matter what somebody is choosing, um, we can allow them to have that choice, right. even if it's to destroy themselves. Yeah, that's an amazing, an amazing thing to get. I was <laughs> reminds me of today. I was driving to town to go. I I live. We live five miles out of a town of 700 people so and they're doing construction on our five miles of road right now and so I had to go get more parchment paper because we were out of parchment paper for 1500 cinnamon buns and so I'm driving to town and I stop at the construction and the person on the road who was like the flag person like holding the stop and go sign waiting for Mm -hmm. the pilot vehicle I sat there because I must have just missed the pilot vehicle and I sat there, and I was just totally in their energy. It was just us for, like, a few miles around, must have been. And and I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just wanted to start crying or get out and hug them. And before mm-hmm. that, I had been, like, listening to boppy music and, you know, feeling happy about my cinnamon buns. And I just, it just felt, it was just like that place of, like, no, like, me enjoying my music and thinking about my cinnamon buns, it's like, where like what would it take for us all to it's I'm still working on it but like that place of like seeing their sadness and pain and even energetically I mean it's all energetic really like I just so wanted to go in and fix it and control it and care for them and show them that there's another possibility but it was like there was no no wanting to receive that in their world and it was like wow like what's it going to take for me to be totally aware of that much pain and still enjoy my music and think about my cinnamon buns and be happy and still have that incredible level of caring for that person that I've never even spoken with in my life Mm -hmm. it's like wow what's that going to (laughs) take yeah beautiful well I've got a clearing for you (laughs) (laughs) so everything you have done to encapsulate in someone what was going to destroy them the malevolence in them the insanity in them the meanness in them the vilification in them the vileness in them the pain in them all the things you've done to encapsulate in them what would not create them as the kind people you know they have the capacity to be but aren't choosing will you destroy and uncreate all that times a gazillion yes Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Holy moly. Yeah, I mean, how many of us have encapsulated other people's suffering? Yeah. Because if you're aware, if we're functioning from awareness, then we sure as hell are aware of other people's suffering. And if we don't know that, uh, I mean, you know, it's almost like we don't know any better. We want to make it stop. We don't want to be at the effect of it. So you encapsulate that suffering. So everything that is times a gazillion where you destroy and uncreate it all. Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And everywhere you've encapsulated uh, the members of your family and uh, all the suffering that they've experienced for all eternity where you destroy and uncreate all that times a gazillion. Yes. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Oh, 
Bye, my. Oi, So for you, Tamara, what, how, like, you really seem to be in a lot of allowance. And and how, how did you get there? Like, to just be, like, and I, I, I you're laughing. Maybe it's not every day, but, like, I just get such an energy of allowance from you. And, and how, what, what? What what's your what's your secret recipe? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um you know, it's funny. You know how they say our uh our, our greatest gifts sometimes are the things that come so easily to us and we just don't like we can't see it. Yeah. We sort of project that worldview and think everybody else is like that until they sort of prove us otherwise. Uh-huh. Um, one of the one of the things that I have uh sort of known my whole life is um is this is that space of communion, like that space of really just being with someone as they are without expectation. And my earliest memories are sort of looking at the relationship, specifically like my parents and my family and then my parents' friends and other people's family, you know, my friends' families, and looking at all that and going, boy, that is just fucked up. It was just really. I was like, I don't get it. How come everybody's so mean? Like the cruelty that is is delivered at one another on a daily basis just did not make any sense to me at all, at all, at all, at all. And, and I think what ended up happening was that that natural space of allowance sort of went underground because my sense was that it, it wasn't welcome. It was not welcome here. And so in order to survive, I learned the way of the land, so to speak, and I learned from my parents quite well to be as cruel and judgmental and harsh as they are. Um, and, and it was really over the last, I'd say, 15 years that I've become to discover that life doesn't have to be that way. And it's really been the gift, one of the gifts of access to uh, invite me home invite me home to me, invite me home to that, that being that knows that space of communion quite naturally. And to be any other way now, is, it seems awkward and um, I, I, I just almost can't even do it, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so so I, I don't, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's just, if it's just, it's natural somehow, but I, I, I realized that now that I'm very clear about what judgment creates, the separation, um, I, I lived in, like, a lot of my autoresponder systems came from separation. I, I was aware of what separation created, and I, was, I, I felt the pain, you know, we'll, we'll just use the word pain and suffering, of the people on the planet. I, I was, a, a, my whole life was pretty miserable. I, don't have, I didn't have that, like, happy childhood. I had misery. And... Um, suicide attempts and depression and things like that because I was aware, acutely aware of the separation uh, and the suffering that separation creates when, when people are functioning from judgment that creates suffering. So I just, I just don't choose to live that. It's, it's a choice. It really comes down to a choice, and I just don't choose to perpetuate that on the planet. I can't think of any reasons or justifications good enough to to um, create from judgment any further. And so what's left, what arises naturally is a space of communion that just um, is total ease and peace and joy and yum. That is so cool. I have the biggest smile on my face right now listening to you. That is just <laughs> so cool. Awesome. I, 
I, you know, I learned, it's funny, I, I often say that nature was my teacher because um, when I lived in Lake Tahoe, I lived there for almost 15 years as I mentioned, and I would go hiking a lot. I spent a lot of time alone in the wilderness on the top of mountains and just really allowing nature to show me um, what, that, what that acoustical generative uh, energy of communion was because nature knows nothing of judgment. And so for, for many, many years I allowed it to be my teacher, but I didn't necessarily allow it to go beyond nature. I was still fearful of people. <laughs> I was like, people are cruel. People are mean. People are, you know, people do, um, you know, they inflict harm on one another. And so it was really through the gifts of access that I was able to put down my barriers and allow myself to be vulnerable with people. Um, and that's been a journey of uh, the last four years. That's a whole other story that would probably be a whole other radio show, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to have that sometime in the future because I'd like to hear it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I think that pretty much brings us to the to the end of our hour. Um, I, oh, my gosh. Are, Look at that. I'd love to hear. Are so you fast. have uh, – pardon? I said, Look at that. It goes so fast. I know, it went by so fast. I was like, we didn't even get started, but we did. We got some really good clearings in there. Um, so do you have any classes coming up or anything you'd like people to know about? I do. Um, I have started doing specialty classes on intimacy, which has been incredibly joyful for me. Wow, I that have... sounds like such a good fit for you. That is so yes, cool. Yes, I know. It just it, it feels so natural. So. Uh, this weekend in Denver, where I where I reside in Colorado, I'm doing a foundation level one uh, starting on Friday. And the following weekend in Denver, I have uh, one of my specialty classes called Intimacy, the Art of Being and Receiving. It's a two-day class. And I will also be offering that class, that same class, Intimacy, the Art of Being and Receiving, in Ireland in October. Um, not sure the dates, but you could certainly go to my facilitator's page on the Access Consciousness website to find out. And I'll also be teaching a Foundation Level 1 in Ireland as well in October. So that's super fun for me. And you know, of course, we've got bars classes here and there. And if anybody wants to find out what my schedule is, they can just uh, go to my facilitator's page. And I travel, and I love to be invited to um, facilitate classes wherever you live. So if that's something that you're interested in those of you who are the audience, um, then you know I know that most of the many of the facilitators, not maybe not most, but many of the facilitators love to travel as well. And and um, I've had people say, what would it take for you to come to you know this state or this country? And I say, um, an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I'm excited. I I. Uh... I'm so excited to see what comes out of your intimacy classes. That is just so cool. What a cool energy. The the book, that's what's coming out. <laughs> oh, cool. So, so, yeah, there's a book in the works as well. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been such a treat. Thank wow. you, Julia. Wow, I'm knocked out. I have a um, – Gary has been asking me for two years, uh, I think, yeah, quite a, pretty much every time I ask him about anything, he brings it back to this subject. So he's been asking me to do a show called Living Beyond Disney um, about you know how to live beyond the fantasies because I um, have been known to be a bit of a fantasy creator. <laughs> and so um, my, my uh, first Google Hangout uh, is a free Google Hangout in a half an hour 
starting at 8.30 Central Time, 7.30 Mountain Time. Um, so be sure to join, join me on there. Um, I'm co uh, Rebecca Hulse is co-facilitating with me, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So that will be starting in, what's that, 28 minutes. So I better get going. But, you better um, get going. I better get going. And there's more cinnamon buns to bake. Yeah, <laughs> Just like Cinderella. <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you so much, Tamara. Um, I'm so, so grateful for this call. I got a lot of clarity on a lot of issues, and I think that a lot of people are really going to benefit from, from this and the replay. Great. So yeah. thank you so really, much. It really is just an introduction. There's so much more to dive deep into, but it's great stuff, and it's changing a lot of people's reality. So yeah. how does it get any better? How does it? Yeah, it's a great clarity night. Um, and then next week on A Totally Different Reality, I will be having Trina Rice, and she is. we're going to be talking about um, consciousness with children. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So join us next Wednesday. Okay, thanks so much, Tamara. Thanks, everyone, Thank for you. being Thank here. Thank you, Julia. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.